Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Awesome. Well, my name's Colin, and I'm the youth... I think that was my wife. And uh, I'm the youth coordinator here at Crosspoint. And I've been uh, doing that for a a few years now. And I have the privilege of being able to work with our middle and high school students. Absolutely love it. I have the privilege of being able to work alongside uh, an excellent youth ministry team. So, I mean, if you're here and we haven't had the chance to meet yet, I'd love to get to know you. Uh, let's get you know. Sorry. Let's, uh, I'd love to tell you about our student ministry. Okay, let's say that. I'd love to tell you about our student ministry and let you know how you can get plugged in, let you know about or what we're all about, and, uh, yeah, just to get you know, know your name and know your story. So... Yeah, so what's, so what's happening here is that the reason I'm speaking today is because Rob is very graceful and he gives me chances. So I'm going to have the chance to speak about the word with you this morning. And if you weren't here last week, what we're doing is we're diving into a series called The King's Tale. And it's a series that we started last year. And what we're doing is we're going through the entire Gospel of Luke, and it takes a lot of time. So we took a bit of a break, and we're diving back into it again. So last week, uh, Rob specifically talked about the idea of radical love. And for us as Christians, radical love is something that we're supposed to live out. And it's something that costs us, and it's it's a very active thing. So today, I'm going to be jumping into the next part of the text, and we're going to be talking about judgment. So like you saw from that video, we're going to be talking about judgment and what Jesus has to say about it. So this passage that I'm going to be reading for us this morning, it's probably one of the most popular uh, passages of scripture amongst Christians and amongst non-Christians. You know, because today, in the year 2018, we live in a post-Christian, post-modern time where we're expected to be tolerant and accepting of everything. You know, there's this common idea that we're not supposed to judge behavior or make moral evaluations about what is right and what is wrong. You know, so this verse, it can easily be taken out of context when we look at it through our 21st century Western Canadian lens. So this passage, it's going to address the idea of judgment and what Jesus has to say about it. So if you have your Bibles, bulletin notes, we have the passage up on the screen here. We're going to go to Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 42. So I'm going to start at verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see that you have a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will clearly be able to see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's the word of God. Can we pray together? God, we just thank you so much for who you are. And Jesus, we just desperately need you in our lives. Our lives are a complete disaster without you. So Jesus, I just pray as we dive into your word that you speak to our hearts, that you reveal things to, uh, to our hearts that you want us to know today. And I just pray that as we hear your word, that we leap as people that are different than walked in. 
And God, we just thank you so much that you love us. And yeah, we just commit this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So today, I think we're going to be talking about a truth that I really, really believe that Jesus wants us to know. And, you know, as much as this verse is misunderstood, we, what, the thing that I want to, I guess, suggest to us today is that Jesus actually does call us to judge, but he calls us to do it well. So the question that I'm going to be answering this morning is, how do we judge well? There's two ways that I'm going to be talking about this this morning. The first one is judging gracefully. The second one is judging humbly. But we're going to start with the first way, judging gracefully. What do I mean by judging gracefully? You know, because Jesus in the first part of the text, he's talking about a form of judgment that is being done in a not graceful way, like in a condemning way. So when Jesus speaks about judgment in the first part of the passage, he's not talking about moral discernment. He's not saying that we can't say something is right, something's wrong, something's good, or something's bad. But the word judgment specifically, he's talking about a critical attitude that we can have towards other people. When he speaks of condemnation, he's talking about an attitude that um, what it looks like is a desire to punish others and not extend mercy to one another. And it's important to know that, like it says in the passage, that if we do not judge, we will not be judged. Because if we do judge, we're actually inviting ju uh, God's judgment upon ourselves. And if we condemn, we're inviting condemnation on ourselves as well. But the hope, however, is that, that if we forgive others, we will be forgiven. And because of God's abundant forgiveness towards us, we are able to extend that to other people. So in this text, Jesus is talking about a way of judgment that can be done well. But like I said, with our 21st century Western Canadian lens, it can easily be taken out of context what Jesus is talking about here. So in order for us to understand how to judge well, I think we should dive into the context in which this scripture was actually taking place. So Jesus, he was speaking to a shame and honor culture. First century Jews, they had unique beliefs about people. They believed that the rich and the healthy were more favored by God than the rich and the poor, or by the poor and the sick. They believed that the Jews were superior to non-Jews or the Gentiles. So when you hear the word Gentile, they're talking about the non-Jewish people. And they actually called them dogs. So that title, like calling them dogs, is actually very generalizing, it's dehumanizing. And to be specific, it's a language that's used that's very condemning. It lacked grace. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about a heart issue. You know, he's not merely just talking about actions towards people, but he's talking about a heart condition. Because here's the thing, Jesus, he wants to bring about a complete change in our hearts. So if you're new to Christianity, this is just kind of a sidebar. I want to let you know that Christianity is not about a list of do's and don'ts, what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do, but it's actually about life transformation, and that's done by the work of Jesus. So I'm going to show you guys a picture. Um, I think I have it up on the slide here. How many of you have heard of Westboro Baptist? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get a little judgmental here. So Westboro Baptist, they're notorious for picketing events. It's really, really cringy. And they have these huge signs making these outrageous statements. And to be honest, this is the kind of stuff that makes my blood boil. Because when it comes to my friends that don't go to church, often this is kind of the image that they have in their minds when they think of church. You know, they, sometimes they'll go to celebrity funerals, they'll go to places of tragedy, so like 9-11, uh, Ground Zero, school shootings, and they'll picket these events, and they'll claim God's judgment as the reason for this event's happening. And they have a posture and a behavior that lacks grace. 
you know, so the events that they picket, the statements that they make, they dehumanize the people that they claim judgment on, and they lack mercy for those who have done wrong and for those who have had wrong done to them. You know, they don't allow room for God's love or for God's grace. Um, later on, we're going to be talking about, in Luke, um, you can judge a tree by its fruit. And by the fruit that we can see from this, it appears that they have a heart, heart posture that lacks grace. But here's the thing. It's so easy to point out people like those from Westboro Baptist. Because I think the issue of condemnation and lacking grace goes beyond the picket locations of the church. I think lacking grace is something that we can actually find here in our own hearts. You know, because maybe it's just me, but I know there have been many times where I've lacked grace or I've had a condemning attitude in my heart. I want to share with you guys a story. Uh, a few months ago, I was at the grocery store with my wife, and it was, uh, we just went to the Safeway out near her work. It was one of the ones that was open later, and she had just gotten off work, so we went to go to the, get some groceries there. And uh, we grabbed all our stuff, and we went in line, and we put the stuff on the conveyor belt, and it was just being um, sent through. So the cashier was standing there, and I thought it'd be friendly. He wasn't looking at me, but I asked him, hey, how's your night going? No response. So in that moment, I decided to take offense. You know, I felt this guy was rude. I thought this guy didn't care about interacting with me whatsoever. You know, I thought uh, maybe it's because they were always cl uh, almost closing. So, like, maybe he was a little annoyed that we were in there. I didn't know. But I started to create a script about this guy and about his character. You know, I started to think maybe he just didn't like being around people. And if you don't like being around people, why are you working at a grocery store? But have you ever done this? You know, maybe it's a text message that you read totally out of context. You know, maybe it's a time where you personalize someone not being so friendly at church one Sunday morning. Or maybe it's someone who has stopped communicating with you altogether with no explanation. Because for me, in that moment at the grocery store, I had a judgmental heart and I lacked grace. You know, out of my entitlement, I thought I knew how I should be treated, and I took offense and I started to judge this guy working at the grocery store. So he packed the last of, my, last of my groceries, and I paid. And you know what? I'm like, I'm going to give this guy one more shot. I'm going to give him one more chance. So he looked up at me, and I said, have a good night. And then the moment happened. He went like this. That's sign language for thank you. He was deaf. <laughs> Who's the jerk now, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like this poor guy, he just didn't hear me when I said it the first time because he was deaf. But here I am, and I'm making a script of judgment. You know, I'm judging his heart, I'm judging his character, and I'm creating a narrative about the situation that was far from accurate. You know, in that moment, I had to repent, and I'm like, God, I'm sorry, because he revealed something in my heart that he wanted to change at that very moment. But here's the thing. God reminded me in that moment that I have a critical attitude and, at times, and I have a judgmental attitude that he wants to change. But I think this is so easy to do in our own lives. You know, when we don't have all the facts about a situation, when we don't have all the information, you know, we can make assumptions and write narratives about people. But here are some other signs that we might have a judgmental attitude or an attitude that lacks grace. When we think the worst of others. When we only speak to others about their faults. When we judge an entire life only based on its worst moments. When we judge the hidden motives of others or when we judge others without considering ourselves in the same circumstance. You know, so maybe like if we were dealt the exact same set of cards, if we had to walk in their shoes, we'd be in the exact same situation. And maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a, uh, criticizing a family member that just can't seem to get their life together. 
Or maybe it's seeing some outrageous behavior in your teenager's friends and you all of a sudden go to the place of judging the parents. Or maybe it's a judgmental attitude towards an entire people group because of a recent terrorist attack you saw on CNN. Or maybe it's just those who hold political and social views that are different than yours and you place judgment on them. I think when it comes to judging well, it's important to judge gracefully. But how do we do this? Maybe it's giving someone the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's extending kindness even when someone doesn't deserve it. But something that I want to share with you this morning, and I think this is one of the best ways that we can extend grace, is by seeking to understand a person's story, their life, and their situation. You know, because I think it's amazing how sometimes even knowing the context of a person's situation completely changes the way that we feel about them and the posture that we show towards them. Because I think sometimes we are just too quick to make judgments. And I think when we learn someone's story, we often look past just the outward behavior, just like me at the grocery store. So maybe it's a porn addiction. Maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's drug abuse, a lack of church attendance. As Christ followers, we are called to judge well. And I want to clear something up. Sin is still sin. I'm not trying to minimize sin. I'm not trying to say it's not that big of a deal because it is. But what I want to get across is the response towards people should always start with grace and with compassion because we hope that it'll lead to their repentance. And here's something else. We are all made in the image of God. You know, we have to remember that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. We all have value. There's a quote by Greg Boyd, and he's an author, and he said this. The Christian's job is to agree with God that every person you meet was worth Jesus dying for. So we have to fight against this attitude of dehumanizing people and lacking grace towards them. Because God loves everyone. And just like Rob talked about last week, we're called to even love our enemies, as much as that sucks. But we're all made in God's image. But we're all also sinners. And we're capable of making the same mistakes, the same faults, the same poor decisions that we are so quick to condemn in other people. And that's going to lead to the second truth. The second truth that I have for you this morning is that we are called to judge humbly. Why do we judge humbly? You know, I think this is a question that the latter part of the text answers for us. But before we dive into that, I think it's important for us to understand what humility means according to Scripture. Uh, humility is to have an accurate view of oneself. So you don't want to think too highly of yourself, you know, think that you're better than other people. But you also don't want to think too lowly of yourself. Because I think sometimes in the church we have this false idea that we can like demean ourselves and speak poorly about ourselves. But that's not true humility, that's just false humility. But humility, what it ultimately does for us is it brings you to an understanding that you're no better than the person next to you. That at the foot of the cross, we are all equal and we're all at the same level. Because we're all sinners and we all have our flaws and we all have our mishaps. So in the text, Jesus, he's calling out an attitude that's not based in humility, but rather it's rooted in something else. And that's pride. What does pride look like? Well, pride is an attitude of superiority. You know, pride's an attitude that's conceited, and it's an attitude that causes one person to arrogantly trample on another. And pride, it can cloud our view and our ability to be able to judge well. So what does pride sound like? Maybe you have said some of these things before, like I have or thought some of these things. I'd never do that. Can you believe that person did that? I'm glad I'm not as bad as that person. You know, at least my sin isn't as bad as their sin. You're kind of measuring it up on a ranking scale just to make yourself feel better. But here's the thing. This is an attitude that Jesus despises. And Jesus, he's calling, an, calling out an attitude of judgmental pride that was common amongst the Pharisees. 
So if you're new to church this morning, I want to let you know that the Pharisees, they were like the religious leaders of the day. And they were known for their outward religious acts and their traditions. But Jesus, he called out their spiritual blindness. And we saw that in the text. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? So Jesus makes it clear that we can actually be spiritually blind. And out of our spiritual pride, we can think we're doing a whole lot better than we actually are. And for us, we are basically blind when we don't understand grace and we don't know Jesus personally. And I think it's important for us to understand that knowing God is far different than actually knowing about God. Because the Pharisees were very bright. Their uh, knowledge about the scriptures was vast. They knew a lot. They were very, very smart. And they were an elite spiritual group amongst their people. But here's the fascinating truth about the Pharisees. They were so spiritually blind that they did not even recognize the God they claimed to worship. You know, the God that was standing right before them in flesh and blood, they did not know. You know, they exchanged obedience to God for obedience to a set of rules and to a set of traditions. And in their own spiritual pride, they lacked the humility to see that Jesus was in their midst. So I have a question for us today. Would we recognize Jesus if he was here this morning? Do we know Jesus well enough that we'd recognize him? Because the Pharisees, they were spiritual leaders, but they were leading people into meaningless, empty religiosity. You know, for myself, being in Bible college, I'm going into my last year of Bible college, thank God, and uh, <laughs> I love Bible college, I'm just ready to be done. But um, I can easily say, as well as some of my friends that have been through Bible college before, that with all the stuff that you're learning and all the stuff that you're doing, in the midst of all that, you can still feel very distant from God. You know, it's so easy to develop pride from the stuff that you learn, um, and the time that you spend with God easily suffers. Because spiritual maturity is very different than acquiring knowledge. Like, knowledge is good, knowledge is great, but knowledge alone is only going to puff you up. And there have been many times where I have been humbled by the extremely emotional, immature statements that I've made and the dumb things that I've done because of my own pride and blindness in certain areas of my life. You can ask my wife, she's sitting right there. But one of the ways that I've noticed pride affecting my judgment is not necessarily towards people who do not know Jesus. I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm going to be very transparent with you right now. But if I were to talk about how pride has affected my judgment, it's, like I said, it hasn't been necessarily towards people that aren't Christians, but it's been towards Christians. Especially in Bible college, I've caught myself nitpicking at people's views, pride that maybe I think I see in their life, and it's not like I sit them down and be like, hey, I see this in your life, maybe you should pray about this, like, it's all done in my own heart. Maybe it's their philosophy of ministry, or the way that they view the Christian life. You know, I have judged Christians in my heart for their lack of grace, when really, in that moment, I am the one that's lacking grace. And often, this is something that's done in my own heart, but God has always reminded me every time that my own judgmental attitude is what is worth rebuking at that moment. You know, I have to remind myself that I'm no better, I need to put my pride aside, and I need to first address my own heart condition before I start looking around me. But going back to the Pharisees, here's some statements that Jesus made about the Pharisees. This one's found, quoting Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their, teacher, or their teachings are merely human rules. Uh, this is from Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Jesus was pretty straight up. And the Pharisees, they were quick to judge and quick to condemn the actions of others. And Jesus calls this out and he gives a correction. 
But to judge humbly, we first need to take the plank out of our own eye. You know, Jesus was a funny guy. If you really, like, sit there and imagine what he's talking about here, he used humor to illustrate a spiritual truth. So it's okay to laugh in church. It's, it's a good thing. But for us to judge well, we first need to examine ourselves. And this requires humility. You know, Jesus, he makes it clear that we need, do need to correct each other. We do need to take the specks out of each other's eye. But what is required first is taking the plank out of our own. You know, because the Pharisees, they were quick to judge others, but Jesus called out their lack of humility and the fact that they didn't even see the sin that they had in their own lives. He called them hypocrites. And uh, that word hypocrite, it's loaded with meaning. I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek word, but basically what, what he's talking about here is like a play actor. So like if they're on stage, they have a mask, and they're acting as one person when they're on stage, but when they're off stage, they're a completely different person. So basically, the inward self does not match the outward self. And there's a difference between who they claim to be and who they actually are. You know, it's kind of like churchgoers who go to church, but then they live the rest of their lives like there's no commitment to Christ whatsoever. And I want to make something clear. Jesus, he's not talking about uh, people that are following God and like just they're very genuine about it and they just happen to make mistakes and they stumble with sin. That's not what he's getting at here because here's the reality. The church is full of sinful people. You know, and I think this is something that we have to get used to. We have to have grace for each other in this. Because we're all, we all fumble things. We all mess things up. We are far from perfect. And we all need Jesus because our lives are a disaster without him. And because of this, we need to walk in humility. So unlike the Pharisees, we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and really come to terms with our own brokenness before we start going and calling out the sin in other people. Because there is a place to call out sin. And Jesus is not rebuking correction, but the heart stance is what he's talking about. Because here's the thing, the right thing done the wrong way is no longer the right thing. So why should we judge humbly? You know, maybe we might be wrong about the situation. Maybe we see things out of context. We don't know the whole story. Maybe we're correcting out of a place of condemnation and we're actually deflecting our own brokenness and to make ourselves feel better, that's why we're poking around at everyone else. You know, maybe there's a specific time, there's a specific place, there's a specific posture that God wants you to use when you bring that correction. And maybe you have sin in your own life that God wants to deal with first. Because correction's important. We all have blind spots, and we all need each other for that. There's a proverb that says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. It kind of speaks for itself. But correction, it is the loving thing to do. And as Christians, the goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And sin is the thing that gets in the way for us. You know, it causes us to be selfish. It causes us to be greedy. And ultimately, it causes us to be destructive towards others and towards ourselves. You know, there are many things that need to be called out in our lives, whether it be pride, selfish ambition, lust, the list can go on. But when we call someone out, it should not be this enjoyable experience. We should not get all excited to be calling people out. But first, we need to be able to examine ourselves. We need to be able to humble ourselves and we need to evaluate our own motives and our own hearts. We need to have spent time in prayer, and we need to do it from a place of compassion. Because we need to actually genuinely care about the people that we're going to be correcting. And we need to have the purpose of reconciling them to God, pointing them to grace, and hoping for their restoration and their repentance. Because it says in Romans 2.4 that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And we need to extend grace and mercy and not to hold people down in condemnation. So when we bring about correction, or when we judge, it needs to be done humbly. So with all this being said, how is judging gracefully and judging humbly made possible? It is because Jesus 
was judged for us. You know, Jesus, who is God, he came down to earth and he lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. And because of God's love for us, Jesus suffered, he died a brutal death, and he took the punishment that we all deserved. And Jesus experienced judgment, and because of that, we're able to experience grace. You know, grace being undeserved favor from God, we cannot earn it, that's why we call it grace. But because of this, we can trust him with our lives, and we no longer experience condemnation. It says in Romans that for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So for those of you who may be new to church, um, and you're wondering what Jesus' posture might be like towards you, there's a story that I wanted to share with you to wrap things up. In the Gospel of John, there's this story about this woman who is caught in adultery. I should probably have some water. All right, so Jesus, he was teaching at the temple, and uh, there was a crowd that was listening. So imagine Jesus is here, and there's a big crowd all listening to what Jesus has to say. And then all of a sudden, the Pharisees, in their typical nature, they come in and they throw a woman who had just been caught in adultery right in front of the whole crowd. Now, remember what I talked about earlier. This is a shame and honor culture. So there would have been tons of shame for this woman, tons of embarrassment. Just to frame it for you for something, or like in a way that you might understand, imagine like one of the most embarrassing things you've ever done your whole life. Just think about one thing. And imagine that one thing, it was recorded and then posted on Facebook. And by the time you went on Facebook to be able to delete it, it had already been shared six times, so there's really no hope for you. The embarrassing thing you have done, the shame, it's there for everyone to see. Everyone knows what you had just done. And then to add, you've been thrown in front of Jesus himself. So this woman, she's going through this shame, this embarrassment, and like this whole crowd, they're probably cheering, her, or cheering, calling her all sorts of names. And so what happens is that the Pharisees say to Jesus, they say, Jesus, you know what the law of Moses says? This woman deserves to be stoned to death for what she just did. What do you have to say about it? And Jesus, in his typical fashion, he just does, some, I don't know, just does, he starts writing some stuff in the dirt. And we don't know exactly what he wrote, but the Pharisees, they kept pestering him. They kept saying, like, Jesus, what are you going to do about this woman? She was just caught in adultery. You know what the law says. So Jesus, he's writing in the dirt, and he looks up, and he says, well, the person who has uh, committed no sin is able to cast the first stone. And he keeps writing in the dirt. And I don't know what he was writing, but whatever it was, it probably freaked the people out. Because one by one, the people started to leave. And it was only a matter of time before it was just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus says to this woman, he says, who is here to condemn you? And then she says, nobody. And then Jesus, he says these powerful words to her. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, because here's the thing. Jesus, who was the sinless one, the one that could have casted the first stone, he chose love and he chose mercy. You know, he still acknowledged the sin. He didn't minimize it. He didn't act like it was no big deal. He did say, go and sin no more. But he saw a woman who was lost. He saw a woman that was broken. And ultimately, he saw a woman that needed a savior. You know, Jesus being the ultimate judge, he decided to enter the story of the woman's life. So if you're here this morning and you might be surprised, um, yeah, like if you're here this morning and you're new to church and you're surprised that you didn't uh, catch fire walking in, that's something that I've heard people say before. Or you're here and you're thinking about all the bad things that you've done in your life and you don't know if God could ever accept you, I want to let you know this morning that you're in good company because we're all broken and we all need Jesus. We never graduate from the gospel. 
And here's the thing. Jesus, just like the story of the woman, he wants to enter the story of your life. Are you going to let him in? So just to conclude, Crosspoint, today I want to challenge us this morning to be people who judge well. I want us to be people who judge with grace and with humility. Not that I want that, but I think that's what the word of God says. Because like the word of God said that we read earlier, if we do not judge, we will not be judged. If we do not condemn, we will not be condemned. If we forgive, we will be forgiven. And this is made possible by the work of Jesus. So let's be a people who model the same love that we have experienced in Christ ourselves. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much just for who you are. Lord, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your grace. And Lord, I just thank you so much for your word and just, just the fact that like, it's relevant at all times, that it speaks to us even now in the year 2018. You have things to say to us. So God, I just pray that you just continue to speak to our hearts and to convict us of the things that you want to remove out of our lives. And God, we just love you, we praise you, we worship you. And I just pray that you continue just to, yeah, mold us more and more like you, Jesus. And we just thank you for that. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.